And I honestly say, what does retirement mean? To me, it just means you have the freedom to do whatever you want. But the idea of not doing anything, even laying on a beach, after about an hour, I've had enough. I mean, I want to produce things, create things. I like being creative. I like the marketing aspect of it. So, yeah, type A all the way. If anything, I have to be told. In fact, my wife is programmed in my computer. Pop up during the day, go exercise. You know, I had a friend that said, as you get older, life is like a toilet paper roll. As the <laughs> paper gets down, the wheel spins fat, the roll spins faster, and you start to panic because you're nearing the end. So uh, you got to pick up the pace as that happens. Suddenly, a trip to the bathroom will never, never mean the same no, to me no, again. I'm Welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities. I'm Randy Cardoon. This week, our Talking About Cars podcast originates from our Talking About Cars and Great American Auto scene gas booth at the Classic Auto Show in Orange County, California, where we got a lesson about putting on podcasts for profit by Mark Green, the host of the podcast Cars Yeah. Interesting to note, but my occasional co-host Bob Beck was on his podcast about a week ago, and I'll be returning the favor guesting on Mark's podcast very soon. But first, it's time for Talking About Cars News! <laughs> The Peterson Auto Museum here in Los Angeles has a new exhibit called Hollywood Dream Machines, actual cars used in TV shows and movies. Not only vehicles like the original 66 Batmobile from the TV show, the 89 Batmobile from the movie, or the original Back to the Future DeLorean, but there's also vehicles from the movies Blade Runner 2049, iRobot, Terminator, and Mad Max, just to name a few. To see pictures of the cars, you can check out our social media postings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Plus, there was a panel discussion at the event with producers of those various films. And you'll get to hear them talking about how those cars came to be and what the thought process was, including what the original vehicle for transportation was going to be instead of a DeLorean in Back to the Future. You'll hear that coming up on Talking About Cars in a few weeks. Now, in a world where everybody in their dog walker has a podcast, and by the way, my dog walker loves this particular podcast, and I thank you also for loving us, listening, and subscribing, Mark Green has a podcast called Cars Yeah, and a new TV show on MAV-TV also called Cars Yeah. We asked him how it all came about... And how many podcasts has he done? 1,238, oh. I believe, or something like that, in wow. four, four and a half years. Yeah, and don't forget, I've got a TV show now on Mav TV, Cars Yeah TV show. That's right. right. Now, tell me, how does how is the Cars Yeah TV show different than, let's say, the actual podcast? Well, the podcast I do from my home, so I stay home, and people call in or Skype in, and I record the show, edit the show, and put it up five five days a week. The TV show is now I can go out and meet the people that I'm interviewing and go to their facility and show my listeners, now my viewers, how these people have created a life and a business around their passion for cars. Oh, okay. Right. So we actually go there, we shoot for a day or two, whatever it takes, and then the show's edited and put up on MAV TV. Uh, we're doing 13 episodes this year, runs every week. They hopscotch shows and do reruns. Uh, but it's been a really fun learning experience. It's, uh, you know, they said I only had a face for podcasting, but I'm trying, I'm trying to prove them wrong. So, what yeah, has well, been, what has been the biggest lesson you've learned with with the TV with the show? The TV thing. 
TV's hard. Um, <laughs> and it's from from the financial side. It's a lot more expensive. As you know, you can do this for very inexpensive. Uh, when I set up my podcast, everything I do it all myself, all from home. Uh, people said I couldn't do five shows a week and keep up with it. I'm proud to say I haven't missed a show. Well, I missed one show the day my father passed. Uh, but I learned some lessons about having shows in the can. So now I'm two months ahead of myself. And now I have people coming to me that want to be on my show. But TV is a whole other gig because you got to get on a plane. you got to fly somewhere. you got to set this all up. You have to have a, we have a crew of about six, seven people. And you have to learn how to be in front of the camera. But my producer said to me, just be who you are. Don't try to be anybody else. Just be who you are. And my whole thing is what my mantra is, which is inspiring automotive enthusiasts. So I try to inspire my viewers by bringing to them inspiring people. Oh, it's good. Now, how long has the show been on as a on Nav TV? We started this January, so still very new. January, March. Where are we? March. Were we in yeah. April yeah, yet? March, in March already, yeah. yeah. We're recording this show uh, St. Patrick's Day, so luck of the Irish to you. And um, none of us are wearing green, by nope, the way. I do. I, I look at my shoes. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's got a set oh, of band band have... competition checkered oh, in green. There you go. There, okay. Yeah. And when I interviewed uh, Adam Carolla yesterday on the celebrity stage, he made fun of my shoes. What's with that? Yeah, he said, after you're 40, you shouldn't wear shoes like this. But <laughs> I grew up in Southern California down here, a skateboarder. Uh-huh. Vans, come on. So, you know, I'm kind of reliving a little youth. I'm a little bit over 40. Not far. Yeah, maybe far, but that's okay. Have fun. Yeah, you're not as far as us. You're fine. <laughs> I'm doing okay. Yeah, I think you're doing fine. Yeah, just fun. a little bit. What part of Southern California are you from? I grew up in La Jolla, California. Oh, okay. uh, Just south of here, north of San Diego, near the beach. I was a surfer. Uh, believe it or not, I had hair down to here I had, when I had hair. Somehow it got all rubbed off. I think it was from working too hard. Uh, but it was an idyllic childhood. And growing up, growing up in Southern California, going to the beach, surfing every morning after my paper route. But I was always a car guy. Car culture down here we know. I mean, look at the mist of the, the classic auto show we're sitting here in today. I mean, this is it. You know, mm-hmm. this is it, baby. But I always loved cars. Uh, always enjoyed being around cars. Had friends with cars. Had dads with cars. And I started my own detailing business when I was 14 so that I could drive other people's cool cars and detail them. And that actually carried me all the way through college, paid for my college education. And I actually did it a few years into when I was married to help save money so my wife and I could buy our first house. We bought a home in Del Mar uh, before we lived there about, we lived there nine, eight, nine, ten years, and then I moved up to Washington State. So you had a thriving uh, detail business. Uh... Yeah, I did. In fact, there was a time where in high school I actually started hiring my friends to work for me. That's when I realized that having employees is not so good. No. They don't show up. If it's if the waves are good, they don't show up. Then they want uh, benefits. They want be- yeah, yeah, they want benefits. And then my dad yeah. said, well, you know, if you have employees, you got to pay taxes and all that. I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite car? Porsche is my mark of choice, but I have a saying. If it rolls on rubber, I love it. But mm. Porsche has always been my car of choice. I'm a big BMW fan. I like European sports cars. So, but... You know, I like all cars, but really, if you said, Mark, you can only have one car, you'd be a Porsche. What was your wake-up moment, though, when you were a kid? Uh, Is it something like you had toy cars when you were a kid or something along those lines that made you say, you know, I like these four-wheeled things? Well, I started building models back in the 60s. I was born in 58, and there I just aged myself. 
But I, I started building models. I had all the Matchbox by Lesney cars. My dad would take me to the hardware store. They were, that's when they were 50 cents. He'd buy me a Matchbox by Lesney. I'd bring it home. I still have all those cars he bought me. Do you? Do you have them in the box? I do, I do have some of the boxes. Oh, I okay. do. I'm, I'm that crazy. But the first one was a Jaguar XKE, a that's red right. coupe. That was the first one that I got. It still sits on my desk. I, I lost my dad about a year ago, and you know I think about him often. And, and uh, So that Jaguar sits there because I remember. But he instilled it in me. My dad had a 1949 MGTC when I was four years old. And I remember riding in that car because it was a right-hand drive. I got to sit in the left where everyone, all the drivers sit, and he had an extra steering wheel, and he would let me hold it. And so when we pulled up next to people, they'd look down and go, that little kid's driving that car. And I'd sit there and go, ah, you know, and have fun. Uh, but that's what really started it, the idea of European sports cars. Of course, that was the car that the GIs brought over after the war, and people raced them and so forth. That's really the starting point. That's the thing that got me hooked on cars. Now, has it always been sports cars or uh, imports? Uh, yeah, sports cars. Um, I raced vintage cars for 12 years. I raced a Lotus Formula Junior uh, open-wheel car that was very cool. I kind of said I channeled Jimmy Clark because that was the first open-wheel car he drove. I wasn't quite as good as him, though. Uh, and then I drove a, a race to Lotus, or Lola, T290, 67. Oh, okay. A sports racer, much faster car, not a momentum car. Uh, but yeah, I've always enjoyed sports cars. My first real sports car, I said, was a Carmen Ghia in high school, 67 oh, yeah. car, my poor man's Porsche. Oh, yeah. And I had that all the way through college. And then I bought my first new car, my last year of college, a 79 Scirocco, first gen Scirocco, Cesario design car thought that was pretty darn cool but I really wanted a Porsche so I saved and saved and saved and I bought a 74 911 S when my daughter was first born and that started a trend of many Porsche 911s and also BMW M3. Tell me a little bit about how the whole idea of the podcast came about. It's a because five years ago, not everybody is doing a podcast like apparently a lot of people are now. Yeah, oh yeah, everybody. There's chicken podcasts, uh, how to how to make trash into fuel podcast i mean yeah. there's everything yeah uh, it's a great story um i had left a company i'd been with griot's garage i was the president of that company i'd helped build that company from day one when i oh, started wow. there was only four people in that company i was tasked with all the marketing building the merchandising line and i i always say why i have no hair is i wore so many hats it rubbed off <laughs> so i worked with that company for 21 plus years wonderful experience helped build the brand build the entire merchandising line all the car care products wrote the copy took the pictures did it all and then I left because things had changed there and they weren't what I thought they were going to be going down the line. So I needed to kind of step back. My wife got very ill. I had to care for her. She was bedridden for six, seven months. Um, my dad had broken his neck. My mother-in-law got cancer. It was a horrible year. I mean, you just looked at the heavens and go, why are you testing me like this? I don't understand. <laughs> you just keep throwing fireballs at me. And, yeah. you know, so my son came up with it. Um, I got, my daughter had graduated from college. My son was in his last uh, three years of college, very expensive East Coast school, and I was out of work. So the first time in my life, I didn't have income. I'd saved, so I'm very good about that, so I, I could go for a while. But my son came home from school during the summer, and, and I said, son, what should I do with my life? Now, usually the son says that to the dad. And my son said, hey, Dad, have you ever heard of podcasting? What's that? So he told me about it. He said, you know, you've been taking me to car shows. My son at that point, he was 21 at the time. He'd gone to 18 Pebble Beach Car Weeks with me. I've been going for 30 years. So he said, you, you always go to car shows and you can't walk by somebody without asking them about their car and their business. I'm very much an entrepreneur. I love business. 
why don't you do a podcast about that? So how the heck do you make money doing a podcast talking to people about their cars? He said, oh, come on, you can figure it out. You're a marketer. You have advertisers, right? So long story short, I sat down as my wife was in bed every day and she'd buzz my phone and I'd have to go back and carry her to the restroom or bathe her or make meals for her. And uh, I started watching YouTube. I started calling podcasters. I learned everything I could about podcasting. And I set a goal that one year to the day after I'd left my job at Rio's, I would launch a podcast. So, you know, if you set goals for yourself, you have to work towards something. You can't just keep putting them off. And that's what I did. And so my first podcast came uh, 28th of May. Uh, it was a guy who had started uh, Rick Cole, who had started Rick Cole Auctions, the first guy to do auctions at Pebble Beach during Car Week. And it took off from there. And I just, I work a lot. I get up in the morning, I commute down the hallway. I used to wear out tires. I wear out slippers now, which is marvelous. Um, and I just went to work and I just started learning. And what's come out of this is not only an incredible relationship with an enormous amount of people, but I've started to get hired to be a keynote speaker today, or last two days at the, uh, the uh, Classic Auto Show. I've been the MC on the celebrity stage. I've mm -hmm. got to interview dozens of people, all of which have been guests on my podcast, which was pretty cool. I got to actually meet people that I'd never even met, and some pretty famous people. And uh, it's just taken off. I've been uh, hired as a consultant. I've been doing mentoring for young people. I mean, all these different touch points, and now I'm doing a TV show. I mean, if you told me all this, Five years ago when I was having that walk with my son going, what am I gonna do the rest of my life? I would have just said, you're crazy. Here we go, here we are. Mark, you talked about really getting all of this information from people before you actually started the podcast. Was there one bit of information, one bit of advice from a podcaster or somebody like that before you started that really kind of stands out? Yes, and boy, I wish I had your voice as a podcaster because you have got a really nice voice. Thank you. Yes, that's I'm going to have to work on that. Uh, <laughs> it's marvelous, both you guys. Yes, um, I reached out to a lot of podcasters, and what I learned was, and this is why I set a very high goal, you have to be persistent. You have to put yourself out there all the time to build up a business as fast as you can to look as big as you can possibly look. So I looked at a guy named John Lee Dumas, who has an incredibly financially successful podcast called Entrepreneur on Fire. And I reached out to him and I talked to him. And I said, you know, how are you doing what you're doing? What are you doing? He was doing seven days a week podcast. Yeah, and it, it was making millions of dollars. So- I'm sorry, a podcast making millions of dollars? Literally, netting, yes, yeah. Yeah, look him up. If you go to his website, he actually shows you his monthly financial statements. And I didn't believe it at first. I said, this is this has to be fake. How are you doing this? And he took time to talk to me. Uh, I joined his podcast group that helps me uh, kind of learn and talk to other podcasters. It's, you know, you want to get involved with a group. It's like cars. Join a car club. You'll start to meet people who can teach you things about that club, can teach you which kind of cars to buy, fine cars to buy, how to restore, what to look for, so forth. And he said, look, the way I built up my business quickly was to be consistent, persistent, and be professional. And just keep putting it out there and just put it out there. Well, luckily I'd saved up enough. I'd created a, a financial runway for myself so that I could do that for the first couple of years and not make an income and not worry about it. Although I did, because for the first time in my life, money was coming out of my bank account instead of in. Mm -hmm. But my wife kept encouraging me saying, you're investing in yourself keep going and then after two years when I had met some of my goals but not all of them I said if I don't meet this financial goal by two years I'm gonna quit and she goes look 
it's two years. You've done, at that time, 500 interviews. You can't quit now. You have to keep going. So having a partner like that, my wife and I have been married 35 years this, this year, was tremendous because you just kept pushing me and pushing me whenever I felt. Because, you know, when you work on your own, there's no one to banter off of. And, and the people I interview, although I talk to people from all over the world every day, you're not going to tell me your worries. You're there to make them look like a star. Right. So I never, you know, I'd hang up the phone and go, man, this guy's life is, is all together. Look at the business he bid, built. What, what about me? What am I doing? But my wife was always encouraging. And then this TV show came along and it was like, a TV show? Really? And all these other opportunities have come along. And if you just keep putting yourself out there and treating people well, giving back, and that's what Cars Yeah is all about, my mantra is inspiring automotive enthusiasts. And it's a double entendre. I inspire automotive enthusiasts by talking to inspirational automotive enthusiasts. So it's always giving, 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 helping people, encouraging people. And all of a sudden, you know what? Things start to flow your way. It just happens. Is there any cars? And Randy normally asks this, so I'm going to steal it from him. What car that got away would you like to get back? Oh, you don't even want to know. Maybe you do. There was a guy when I was a little kid lived up the street. He was like this cool bachelor. You know, our street was a traditional street in any block fathers moms kids but this guy was like the cool bachelor he had a 58 the year i was born carrera porsche speedster a carrera and he used to surf so i surfed you know if you know that car you, it's very small so we would stick our surfboards nose down this is back when surfboards were small behind the seats and he would take me surfing well i think i was 15 and he said, hey, Mark, you really, and he'd let me drive his car a couple times before I had my license. Don't tell my mom. Although she was here today, so hopefully she's not listening. And he said, I know you love this car. I'm going to sell it. Would you like to buy it? Yeah, I'm 15. <laughs> I'm going to turn 16. So what do you want for it? He said, you know, I think I'd probably want about $2,600, $2,700. Okay. Now, anybody who knows today what one of those cars is worth, right. multiples of millions. Well, back then, this was 1974, I think, so... That was a ton of money for a little kid. So I run to my parents. My dad goes, that old beat-up car? Now, it wasn't a Concorde car. It was a driver. But again, it was about 10 years old. But it was a little Porsche. It didn't even have a top. And so I begged my parents. I thought, how can I do this? I'd raise some money, like 400 bucks from my... But I was still like $22,000 shy. He sold it to somebody else. To this day, I remind my mom how much that car would be worth today. <laughs> Yeah, the coincidence of that is Randy and I were talking about that just last night. Mm -hmm. We were talking about the Carrera, the difference between the engines and such, and I had uh, had the opportunity to go through Vasek Pollock's uh, oh. shop years ago and saw the guy getting his mechanic, who used to work for Hoffman, working on a bunch of Carrera motors getting ready for the Historics. Yeah. And we talked about the speedster, the difference between that, and then we talked about how Hoffman had convinced the factory they needed a low-cost sports car to compete against the MGs and the Triumphs of the time. So what you're talking about is apropos to what we were talking about just last night. Mm -hmm. And it shows how small the, the, the minds of car community is. Uh, how, how small I believe there's are. another way to phrase is that, there? Bob. Yeah, I couldn't think of it at the time. <laughs> well, here's, here's the deal. I just spent a day with some of those cars. Uh, we shot one of the Cars Yeah TV shows at John Wilhoy's shop in Long Beach just right up the road from here. Uh -huh. And John restores some of the finest Porsche 356s in the world. He's been in business 40 plus years. And in his showroom were several Carrera Coupes, 356A Coupes, uh, a Speedster. He's working on a car for Seinfeld there, 912s. Um, 
you know, I was in heaven and we got to go for a ride in a 59 coupe and I love those A coupes. This car was gorgeous. Uh, it, I, I saw it two years ago during Pebble Beach Car Week on Ocean Avenue, Carmel, uh, Carmel by the Sea. And I said, if this guy ever wants to sell this car, call me. Well, he called me and he said, yeah, he's ready to sell the car. And I said, how much? And he told me the price and I went, <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I mean, I knew they'd gotten expensive, but not that much. And the car is sold the next day to some wealthy man in Sweden. So it's going back to Europe. Yeah. Uh, but I got your ride in it, so. So you have a show on MAP TV, and I yep. think a lot of potential podcasters or podcasters that are out there right now would think to themselves, well, I can do that. I should be on TV. Of course. Uh, tell, talk a little bit about how that happened. Oh, gosh. Well, I'll do the condensed because it's a very long story. TV's not easy anymore. TV's changed radically because TV's dying. Now, I'm saying that while I launch a TV show, but it is. It's, I shouldn't say dying. It's, it's, it's evolving into something very different. And we all know that. If you look at how much time you spend on TV now compared to the computer, YouTube, uh, social media, and if you really track that, you'll see that all that spare time you used to spend on TV, you're doing that other stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what's taken away from TV. Sure. I was initially approached by the folks that, uh, what used to be Velocity, now Motor Trend, uh, they were trying to do something a little different than the traditional build shows. And we talked about maybe doing something. I went out and shot a couple episodes. Uh, I funded that myself to show them that Cars Yeah! podcast could be an interesting, cool TV show. They liked it. They assigned a producer to me. And then everything went really quiet. And I couldn't figure out why. And people weren't calling back. I'm like, oh, man, this really is not so good. Well, it turns out Motor Trend was coming in. And if anybody goes back and looks at the transition that happened, a lot of people that were at the network before are gone. So this is what happens in big businesses. New people come in, they bring in their own folks. So I said, you know what, um, this could never happen. We finally talked to them. They said, sorry, we, you know, this could be a long time. My producer the that transition I- The transition being a the long time. The transition, right. you know, we could call you next week and say, okay, or it could be next year, or it could be never. I said, well, we've already done this. I'm not gonna wait anymore. Where can we go? Well, the producer I hired, uh, Leonard Carrillo from Da Vinci Films, he had done a series uh, for uh, Titan Gilroy, Titans of CNC. He's worked in the TV film industry. He said, I have a connection at MAV TV. Yeah, it's maybe not as big as Discovery, but it's a platform where we can start. And the key is you'll own your own show versus Discovery owning you as just a pretty face. Did I, dare I say that? <laughs> pretty face uh, or a host. Let's call, let's call me that pretty face might be a stretch so um <laughs> this way i own my own show i'm the executive producer i own the show that means i can do whatever i want with it later on or down the road i can go to sony global which we're talking with about distributing it worldwide um, i can then take it back and put it on youtube and do a youtube launch i can sell it syndicate no i should say syndicate let's hope we get syndicated someday i could sell it to another network for them to pick up like mark warman does uh, with Graveyard Cars, he produces his own show and then he licensed that show to be shown in different networks. And I'll tell you, I called Wayne Carini, who has 13 years of doing a very successful, probably the best car show out there. Absolutely. And when I, when I first got this call, I said, Wayne, what am I about to step into? And he said, well, let me tell you. And he gave me some marvelous advice. But one thing he said that stuck, if you could own your own show, that's the key. Because I wish I could say that about what I'm doing. And so this, I, I, I always say maybe I dodged a bullet somehow and that this transition that happened, happened, you know, you kind of go, things happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. You hope, you think that's why, instead of saying, whoa, he's me, uh, take an opportunity to run with it. And that's how I've ended up where I am. So we've done eight episodes so far, we're doing 13. 
and uh, we've got another year to go next year. So uh, here we go. Let's do it. And you're still doing the uh, Monday through Friday podcast. I have not stopped doing the podcast. That's my bread and butter. You know, it earns me enough to pay all the bills. It gets me out there. It keeps me out there. And now the, the podcast plays off the TV show. Mm -hmm. The TV show has more eyeballs on it because it's just a bigger platform. That's bringing up the download numbers, which is helping. So now when I go out and try to solicit uh, people to sponsor me, I can say, well, now there's more people listening to the podcast. Uh, that's why you should be here. And we try to offer deals to potential sponsors for both, both platforms. So I'm promoting them in both places all the time. All right, so if someone wanted to sponsor your podcast, what are the what are your rates? Maybe we got someone listening right now that wants to get some airtime. Right. I have I have three different rates right now. I have what's called an intro, a mid-roll, out-roll. Out -roll. If you're at the beginning of the show, it's $150 a show. Um, I do 22 shows, 21, 22 shows a month, so that you're running a close to $4,000 a month. The mid-roll is a little bit less than that, so you're going to be somewhere in the $3,200. And then if you're at the end of the show, you're going to be somewhere in the $2,900 mark. And how many shows do you get for that? You get a full month. I do I do three-year contracts, so you get 21 shows, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. And um, I do what I do for people is I write and produce their commercials for them. So they don't even have to go through an agency and pay for that because I did that for 20 years at Griot's. I know how to advertise. I wrote all the copy. I just recorded it in my voice. So I become an ambassador, an endorser of their brand. In the case of one of my long-term sponsors, Covercraft, um, they're now sponsoring the TV show. So in the case of the shows I'm doing now, we're sending covers ahead. We cover a car. I do a reveal, talk about Covercraft. I talk about them every day on my show. So I'm promoting them every which way that I can do that. Right. And that's what you have to do now, is you have to find a way to champion those sponsors all the time. And that's why you see these car shows. You see celebrities in the booths of people uh, selling cabinets or oil or whatever it is. I mean, you got to find ways to be out there with them all the time. It's, it's Unless you're a movie star, I guess, or a big TV star, uh, you just have to do that. That's interesting, though, I, you know, because a lot of people do that. We've seen... Uh, um Dennis Gage well, with Dennis, his yeah. uh, with his show, they'll do segments. You see My all girls, all girls garage. Yeah, they'll bogey. sit there, Bogey yeah, and Christy, uh, and, Christy yeah. and, and Rachel, Rachel, and they'll yep. have all that stuff. And they and they do segments that's with their sponsors. They do. You have to do that. All those people you've talked about have been on my show, and they've all become friends. Uh, you know, like the show I did here, we did a wonderful women's panel with uh, Bogey was one, Jesse Combs, um, uh, Tina Smith. I mean, there's all these great people, and Lynn St. James, of course. Um, Linda Vaughn was, was there too. Linda Vaughn showed yeah. up. I didn't know she was going to show up today. Yeah. And here's the deal. I've been chasing Linda Vaughn. She's been struggling with some health issues. So, uh, yeah. dude, that's nice. It's easier in the kitchen when she's, you know, she's yeah. Yeah, don't tell my wife I've been chasing Linda Vaughn. No, I'm going to get in not. trouble. No. Uh, but uh, today she goes, Mark, Mark, she's so sweet. She goes, she gives me a big hug. I'm sorry. She goes, but she's she's feeling better now. She's going to have time for me. So she's promised me she's going to call in. We're going to do a show with her. Yeah, we've had her on the show here. She's fun. She's a lot of she's fun. Great. And she's got great stories. You'll I enjoy. saw her when I was a kid. My dad took me to Orange County Raceway, and she was at a drag race that Don Garlitz, who's been a guest on my show, was at. Um, so, I mean, all this history coming back together, but also I like the young people um, and what they're doing. People that are creating businesses, up-and-comers. Uh, Big Mike, who's got the Think Bigger project to kind of motivate young mm -hmm. people, uh, was here this weekend. So, uh, again, if, if we're inspiring people and encouraging them, especially to come and work in the automotive industry, that there are jobs that young people can do and have fun and be in this environment, um, you just need to reach out and find mentors, work really hard. Um, McPherson College has a four-year degree. 
to do restoration work. And we talked about this some on the stage that these people that have these shops, they need young people to come and work in them. And they're willing to teach them and help them. That's how we're going to keep this thing going. I mean, look at all these cool cars around here. Someone's got to work on these things in 20 years. Yeah, we talked to some of the people from uh, Graveyard Cars, and one of the things they talked about was the fact that, you know, if you're over 50 years of age, you know how to work on these cars, but a lot of people are not, and there's just a dearth of talent from that group. Exactly, and so those guys are trying to find the young people, and I, I think it's, it's like, I like what Mike Rowe does. You know, he's out there trying to tell young people, a uh, four-year liberal arts degree that you graduate with $100,000 in debt, and you still don't really know what you want to do, is that really a good investment? Yeah, yeah, you're it, making minimum wage. Uh, yeah, it's not, maybe not a good thing. You could go out and do some cool things. I have a friend with a heating and vent, uh, heating air conditioning company and trying to find technicians to come and bend metal and make these things. I mean, he's got a starting wage of like $85,000. Mm -hmm. You need a technical degree probably, but that's a two-year school, and then they'll mentor you and teach you. And if you like working with your hands, you know, desk work isn't for everybody. No. And it, sometimes it's not so much fun. Oh, and then there's a plumbing company out here in Los Angeles that's running radio ads saying, hey, you know, we've got these jobs for $100,000. And yeah. you're just and going, plumber. wait, plumbing? A plumber? Well, yeah. yeah, well, hire a plumber. They're expensive. But you yeah. know, you, when you need one, you need one, right? That's <laughs> you got, right. You got stuff flowing in your bathroom. You need someone to come and help you, like today. But uh, I think there's tremendous opportunities for young people. And shows like this are really great so they can come out and see these opportunities exist and go, you know what, I don't have to go to a four-year college and I can go do something with my hands. And, and the thing I tell young people is, you don't have to do that job forever. You mm. can do it for five years and go, okay, maybe I want to go back to school and be a lawyer, a doctor, whatever or, that might be. Or but, an announcer. Or an announcer or yeah. a podcast. Well, let's not get carried <laughs> away. away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, or, or better yet, I encourage people, you know what, as soon as you can, start your own business. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Figure out a way to do your own thing and earn your own way and set your own course. And I'll tell you, today, this technology, we're sitting here doing this. Think about the technology. Yeah. There's not much stuff needed to do this. My podcast, my operating ratio is like 98%. I, don't, I have a cost ratio of like 3% to do what I do. Right. I, I worked in a company where we were lucky to make 10% profit every year. I mean, that was a really good year because the overhead was so expensive. So um, there's so many opportunities out there, but you have to be willing to work for it. It doesn't come fast. You're not going to be a Kardashian overnight and seemingly doing not, making a fortune doing nothing. And not that I'm a huge fan of those gals, but I got to hand it to them. They built an incredible empire. Oh, from a business sense, you're absolutely yeah. right. Absolutely right. Yeah, and we were talking about the training. We had the lady from Chrysler here earlier uh, talking about how they're going to schools to try and motivate kids yes. to learn to work on these cars, to, to be part of it, because an average technician today if they're making 80000 it's a slow year. Yes, exactly. I have a nephew who worked for 11 years uh, as a technician for Volkswagen. Yeah. He just got hired by Tesla, which he's like, he's thrilled about. He said, this, this company is incredible. I know there's some people out there beating them up, but you know what? They're doing it. Yeah. And they're doing it faster than even the big boys. And I think they're pulling up the big boys. Uh, I'm talking yeah. about the big to to sell them. This has to be done. This can be done. And he said, I'll tell you, the customers at Tesla compared to his old company, they are rabid. They're like Apple product customers. Mm -hmm. And when their car breaks, they, it's not they don't care, but they're not yelling at you. And he's a guy. How he fixes people's cars is they call in and they go online, and he fixes them on his computer and they do things and. Uh, you know, I mean, it's incredible. 
You've been saying, uh, talking about motivating people, and, and I remember uh, a lot of people have been saying about the podcasting business, about the uh, new business with the Netflix and all those other shows, they are starving for content. Yes. Do you find that still to be the case and, and about various things that you've seen? Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard that when I was approached about doing a TV show. We need content, and we need interesting content that's real because reality TV is getting long in tooth. Uh, you know, the, the fake build shows where they build a car in a week. I'm, I'm sorry, you can't build a decent car in a week or even a month or six months. But I think people are starving for things. And the, uh, the shiny squirrel object type phenomenon, people's, you know, their, their, their attention span is shrinking. Uh, I was talking to Wayne Carini last night. We stayed at the same hotel and he was talking about, they're even talking in networks about doing instead of 30-minute shows, doing 15-minute shows or 20-minute oh. shows. Now, his show just got expanded to an hour, so he was saying, well, this will be interesting. We'll see how this works. I mean, he's such a, a great guy that I don't have any doubt that people will consume that. Right. But, yeah, they're looking for content. So if you can go out and create things, uh, you can do really well. I follow a young couple on YouTube that sail around the world. Sailing La Vagabond. I'm going to give them a shout out because what they're doing is fascinating to me. They travel around the world on a sailboat and they just videotape it. They do a very good job. They work very hard to do this. And as a result, they've landed a million dollar catamaran from a French company who's given them a catamaran to sail around on just so they, wow. they promote it on their show because they've got millions of followers. And they're now going into their fifth season. And all they do is sail around the world. Now, again, I'm going to caution anybody out there thinking you can get on a boat, make a video, and do this. They work very hard. I mean, they're, they're, they're producing a very quality show, and it's tastefully done. It's nicely done. But every, I, I call it my 15-minute my sea escape every week. Every Monday afternoon, I stop working because I work like 12 hours a day. My wife's got to get up and stop. And I just sit back, I usually go have something to drink, you know, lemonade or something, and I just watch it and it just kind of calms me down. But what is amazing to me is they're doing it. We're doing this, I'm doing what I'm doing. You can do it, but you gotta work hard and you gotta think out of the box and you gotta produce something that's intelligent and useful to others, not just to you, because it will come back. Do you consider yourself a type A personality. I mean, yeah. 12 hours work. I've, I've heard a lot of people who actually continue to just work, 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 work. Do you consider yourself, is that a requirement really to succeed? A requirement is a willingness to put effort in and work hard. Yeah, I'm definitely type A. I'm laughing at that because I can hear my, my mom or my <laughs> sister cracking up or my wife. Uh, my wife and I had a talk with our financial consultant last year and they always ask the questions, well, when do you see yourself retiring? And my wife just laughs. He goes, why are you laughing? Mark's never going to retire. But, and I honestly say, what does retirement mean? To me, it just means you have the freedom to do whatever you want. Right. But the idea of not doing anything, even laying on a beach, after about an hour, I've had enough. I mean, I want to produce things, create things. I like being creative. I like the marketing aspect of it. So, yeah, type A all the way. If anything, I have to be told. In fact, my wife is programmed in my computer pop up during the day, go exercise, uh, go for a walk. Don't go to the pantry because working at home with the, you see, the pantry's five steps away, it's a bad deal. Uh, yeah, I, I, I need to be more disciplined when it comes to that. But yeah, I, I've always worked hard and here's why. My dad grew up on a farm in Texas. 
My grandparents and he worked very hard. Remember my grandfather rarely came to visit us. And one time when he did, I said, Grandpa, you came all the way from Texas. Why are you going home in three days? He said, Mark, the cows don't take vacation. And he, you know, he worked all the time. My dad worked very hard. So I just assumed that's the way you do it. And I just can't perceive of just sitting around. Um, we have a really short time frame in this planet. And if you're blessed to be able to be here past 60, 70, 80 years or longer, that's it. You know, I had a friend that said, as you get older, life is like a toilet paper roll. As the <laughs> paper gets down, the wheel spins fat, the roll spins faster, and you start to panic because you're nearing the end. So uh, you got to pick up the pace as that happens. Suddenly, a trip to the bathroom will never, never mean the same no, to me no, again. I'm, never, I'm getting. I'm going to buy those bulk rolls now. Yeah, those huge ones. Yeah. That's why I always keep it big, so I don't feel bad about that. But uh, no, you know. And here's the key. Here's the key. If you like what you're doing, I know you've heard it before. It doesn't feel like work. It is work, but at least if you like it, you'll be happy. Because I have friends that are super successful. They have tons of money, tons of cars, but they're living for the weekends and they're living to retire. And I have a friend who's a neurosurgeon who's told me, you might not make it. I operated on people every day that got up that morning, thought life was grand, they tripped and hit their head, and now they're dead. So I don't want to be morbid in that sense, but you know, we do have a finite sense of time. We don't know when that's going to end. So make the most of every day and find a way to have fun with what you love. And in our case, Look what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, this is a Sunday. There's people laying on the beach, watching a sports game, popping a beer. But we're here working. But this is really work. Yeah, right? this, yeah. This is fun. I keep thinking of the guy that wrote the book on how to live to be a hundred years, uh, years yeah. old, and uh, the day after he turned a hundred, he died. Well, if you huh? if you set that limit, and I tell you, they talk to people. The minute they retire, my sister retired last year, and after about four months, she's like. This is boring. How yeah. many times can I go to the gym? And now she started a motivational coaching business where she's an accountability coach to help other people eat more healthy, exercise, because we all need that motivation. In fact, Lisa, I should hire you for me maybe to yeah. make sure that I got up from the computer and went to the gym, right? And don't so go to the pantry. Don't go. Stay you away. My wife threatened to no. lock the pantry. So. Close yeah. the pantry she doors, buy step away. Anymore. No. Let me yeah. throw a car question in here yeah. as long as we're doing yeah. it. I mean, after all, this is sort of a car, car show. show. Uh, uh, everybody has a list. We've talked about this, and I'm sure you brought it up on your show. But uh, just for those who haven't heard your show, I, I find it interesting. Everybody's got a list of the cars they want someday. Uh, what exactly? Well, did we ask about garage? What's in your garage right now? No, we no, didn't. We have Let's ask that. Well, first off, to set it up, what's in your garage? What's in my garage? Car-wise. Car, uh, car Okay, yeah. okay. Well, first of all, my garage is immaculate. My wife cracks me up because she says you can eat off the floor at any time. I'm that kind of a guy. Uh, my wife drives a BMW X5. We've had a couple of those. Mm -hmm. Great, great car. Mine is an E46 M3. I bought brand new. It's a 2005, so I've had it for a little while. It's only got 60,000 miles on it. It looks perfectly brand new. I special ordered it exactly how I wanted it. Um, I switched from Porsche to BMW years ago because of my commute. Because Porsche commuting in a Porsche stop-and-go traffic for 45 minutes, not that comfortable. So I had a 993 C4S. I sold and bought my M3. But my toy is a 1987 Porsche Turbo. Back in the 80s, I wanted a Porsche really bad and a turbo. I couldn't afford it. I had a new baby, a new job, a new house. And I used to go to the Porsche dealership and kick the tires. Finally, he said, quit coming here unless you're going to buy a car. 
And so I found this. I found this car nine years ago. you for loitering. Yeah. 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 Well, basically, I was a loiterer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I bought this car nine years ago on eBay, somewhat sight unseen. There's a longer backstory, but it would take too long to tell here. Uh, the car came to me. And what makes the car special is it only had 35,000 miles on it. It was a paint to sample. Porsche will paint a car almost any color under their paint to sample option. But this was painted in a non-Porsche six-stage metallic orange paint. They only painted two cars this color. The third one was a turbo but a slant nose. So there's a sister car to mine out there. I know where it is. The slant nose has since disappeared. I used to know where it was. And so that's my car right now, my, my toy car. And it's, it's a blast. Top 10 cars that Mark Green really wants someday. What are the first three? A 1958 Porsche Speedster with Rudge knockoff wheels, a 1956 550 Spider Porsche, a 1973 Porsche RS Carrera. I'll, I'll add another one to that, an RSR, a race car, yeah. original IROC car would be really nice. That's four. Yeah. Yeah, you want to get. I wanted to see how fast. If you can rattle off 10 yeah, right here, well, go yeah, ahead if you got more. Right now, you've yeah. got the record. Yeah, four. Uh, I, think, I think six is the record. But six that's is the record. Okay. No, I can keep going all day if you want. <laughs> uh, I'd love to have a, uh, an Austin Healey, a 56 100 LM. Okay. Uh, I've just always kind of liked those. I'd like to have a. 49 MGTC because that's the car my dad had when I was four years old. We have a drum roll now. He's about to hit uh, seven. That's what started it all. Uh, absolutely. I'd also like to have a brand new Porsche Turbo S. Oh. Um, I've always wanted to be able to buy a brand new Porsche, but you know it's always kind of seems to be out of reach. And buying a new car, I've decided, is a silly waste of money when it comes to sports cars. Anyways, I'd love to have a Porsche 911R, the new R. The holy grail in my garage would be a. Singer Porsche. Rob Dickinson uh -huh. builds continuation Porsches uh, that are Singer cars, uh, Porsche reimagined. I'd yeah. like to have hire him to build me a car. I think we're up to eight or nine now. This, is, yeah. this would be ten. ten. This would be ten. So and the last car. Drum roll, Bob. Drum and number ten is. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to have a 1962 Porsche. You see a trend here, right? Yeah, uh, just a little a, bit. Yeah. I wasn't going to say that, but go ahead. A 62 twin grill, uh, oh, Roadster. Okay. Uh, that's somewhat of a holy grail car. Now, if we can make it a little more special, uh, Super 90 GT would there add a nice touch to that. And to go even further would be a Carrera motor in the back. Wow. Oh, yeah. Mark, ladies and gentlemen, can we have the applause from Please. all hey. six of you out there and yes. watching this? Very good, Mark. And the two people on screen right now yeah. watching us. Yes. Your relatives right now are uh, out there Everything saying hello. How much is 442? Thanks, Mom. 442. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that'd yeah. be nice, too. Hey guys, awesome show. You guys Thank you. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Those are fan, our fans. Are Your here. fan base. Very good. I'll, I'll take it. That yeah. That's right. No, you, you know, there's so many, but I, I love Porsches and old Porsches. You can see that kind of trend there. Yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah, and, kind and of. And what's interesting about my answers is there's so many others. We can start getting into Ferraris, uh, Lamborghinis, Mura, of course, yeah. uh, Ferrari, Testarossas. I mean, there's so many cars, but realistically, cars that could be somewhat in the scope of what I could afford, except for maybe the Singer. Well, that, that GT yeah. is going to be a million-dollar car, too. Well, let me ask you this. You, you've mentioned a lot of really cool cars, all of them foreign cars. What's the top American car? I had a Shelby GT350 Mustang. Now, I'll give a caveat to that. It was a clone. It was a made-up car, but it was done so well that I took it to a Mustang show, and I won first place in the Shelby <laughs> GT3 division. I gave the trophy to the second-place guy because I, I fessed up after the end of it because I said, you know, this wasn't really fair, but they said, man, this was really nicely done. I bought it from a friend of mine, Ron Going. Uh, he and his dad had built it. They did it 
to the T's. It was a marvelous car. I drove it every day to work. I live in the Pacific Northwest where it rains. Every day for two years, I drove that car to work. I couldn't well, get gas without it being an hour-long experience. Yeah. Everybody loves the Mustang. So, I, you know, I think Mustangs, um, I kind of wish I hadn't let that car go. It just, it felt really good. My wife thought I was going through some weird midlife crisis. She goes, it's not European. Yeah. It's not German. What's wrong? You know? I, I okay. just noticed one thing, though, was on the Porsches. They're all opposed motor cars. Boxer engine. Yeah, boxer Yeah, yeah. No, I'm no not. No inlines, no except, V8s. Well, except for the, no, except for the new Turbo S, I, I think it would be pretty cool. But up to the 993, which was the last 911 that I had uh, before I got my, my 87 with the G50 body, um, I just, the water cooled, I couldn't quite get into, but they're, you know, I mean, they're awesome cars. And I'm not going to, if one showed up in my driveway, I'd, I wouldn't kick it out of the driveway for dripping oil so <laughs> mark green from uh, cars yeah mark uh, one more time go ahead and plug what you got coming up and of course the show when could people see it on map tv absolutely i encourage you can follow me on my website cars the podcast and that podcast is available on the website or any mobile podcast app itunes stitcher google play iHeartRadio. i'm now on alexa um i'm also on youtube i have a youtube page where you can listen to all my shows um, let's see. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, two Facebook pages, Mark Green and Cars. Yeah, follow me there. I'm very active. I kind of post everything I'm doing. And of course, the TV show is on Mav TV. So if you carry Mav TV, you can see that. And hopefully soon it'll be on Lucas Oil Racing where you can stream it oh, and cool. watch it there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Lucas Oil and Map TV. That's uh, they're all related. Of course, Lucas. Yeah, yeah, it's all the Lucas Oil family, and so uh, that's what we're hoping for next. So uh, yeah, catch us. It's a weekly show. It's on Thursday mornings, but you can record it and watch it in the evenings whenever you want to watch there we it. Go. And eventually, we'll be streaming that probably through the Cars Yeah TV uh, or the YouTube podcast. I got to ask you. I did this last year. You did it this year. Uh, the celebrity stage. How'd you like it? You know, it's the first time doing this. This was all new to me. I got invited thanks to my good friend Jeff Perlman. Uh, he involved me with the people putting this show on, and it was a it was a hoot. Um, uh, it's a little you know nerve wracking. You're not quite sure what you're going to do. And a couple times they said, "Oh, we're going to throw three more people on the stage with you." But I, for a living, I ask people questions, like you guys. That's what I do. So I've learned that the best way to make friends is to be genuine, be honest all the time. And just ask people questions about their lives, about their cars, and be quiet and listen. And they'll tell you more than you ever wanted to hear. That's Mark Green of the Cars Yeah! podcast and TV show. Hey, remember to subscribe to our podcast on Radio.com, iTunes, and KNX1070.com. So that way you can be notified when a new Talking About Cars is uploaded and you won't miss a thing. And if you're on iTunes, please rate us and review us. Also, looking for more background to our episodes? Well, head on over to our other website, TalkingAboutCars.net. And don't forget to check out Bob Beck's podcast on GotGas, G-A-A-S, dot com, and also follow him on social media. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon, along with my occasional co-host, Bob Beck. Join us as we have some fun talking about cars. <laughs>